Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hello, everybody. It's Sarah Larby. We are going to be speaking to Victoria Clooney today. And she is a real estate investor, but specifically, we're going to be talking about her new little boutique motel called the Breeze Motel that she bought in the east coast of Canada and what she's been able to do and transform and a lot of great insights. If you guys are interested in that business, because it is a business as well as a real estate investment, then this is going to be a great show. But before we bring in Victoria Clooney, Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages with this week's tip, tip of the week. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. As we navigate through challenging market conditions, particularly the fluctuating interest rates, I encourage you to embrace a long-term mindset and consider strategies that will not only help you persevere during the present circumstances, but also lay the foundation for future success. Whether you're approaching your renewal and are unsure of what term to take into market uncertainty, or if you're aiming to successfully structure a purchase or simply assess where you are currently to identify opportunities to save, enhance cash flow, wipe the market cycle, smartly line up capital to scale, or plan your next phase of growth. My team and I are here to guide you. We are here to help you navigate this new environment that we're in with confidence and with clarity. You can always lean on us and email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. We are here to help. Talking about playing the long-term game, we're seeing more and more investors step into multifamily investing in particular lady apartment buildings of five or more units. They're using the burst strategy to renovate, increase the rents, increase the value, and eventually refinance with CMHC. And we're seeing more and more deals go towards the MLI Select program. I want to share with you today six money strategies that you can tap into to acquire and renovate an apartment building. And in that next series of episodes, I will be digging deeper into each of these strategies and I will guide you through when to use the strategy and what to watch for. Here are the six money strategies to acquire and renovate an apartment building. Number one, unsecured financing, which is what's referred to in the investment community as promissory notes. Number two, private money or private mortgages. These are loans that are secured in first or second position on the building you're buying or on the rest of your portfolio one or more properties within your portfolio. Number three, vendor takebacks, which are often interest-only loans that you can negotiate with the seller of the building and you can negotiate it in first or second position. Number four, rich financing, or what I refer to as a bundle loan to acquire the building and to renovate. These are also interest-only loans. Number five, traditional finance. This is where you would assume an existing mortgage on the building or you can apply for a new traditional mortgage. And under this option, you would be paying principal and interest. And lastly, money partners, which entails raising capital from others who want to invest with you, either under a corporate shareholder structure 
or under what's referred to as a JPLP structure. Good financing, private mortgages, and vendor take maps is what's referred to as creative financing. And you'll find that your most expensive and risky type of money is unsecured finance. And as you move away from that into other money strategies, typically your cost and risk will go down. When it comes to equity money or raising money from others, that's what I call patient money. That's the type of money that is going to give you some breathing room to focus on turning the building around without the debt block picking on you. However, it may cost you in the long run, depending on how you structure your deals with your money buyers. So how do you know which of these strategies to use to acquire and renovate a building? Well, it all depends on the capital resources available to you at the time of acquisition, your risk appetite. How much upside is there in the project for the risk and cost of money you're taking? And can you achieve your repositioning targets within the timelines the money strategy offers you? For example, if you don't want to go out there and raise capital, and if you don't have much to inject into a deal, then you will have to tap into the creative strategy. My point is, your situation is unique. Your project is unique. You are unique. Do not jump into a strategy because it sounds cool or because everyone is talking about it. Fully understand what you're stepping into. Run the math. Be conservative in your assumptions. Be conservative in your timelines. Be conservative in your budgets. And engineer your money strategies going into the deal with an understanding of how you will pay that money back and what your exit strategy looks like. There are many moving pieces to structuring financing successfully on multifamily properties. My team and I will help you determine the best financing structures to acquire, renovate, and exit a deal. And most importantly, mitigate the risks of the common money setbacks that we've seen investors experience as they step from residential to multifamily or as they try to scale up their existing multifamily portfolios. You can email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com to learn more about our complimentary multifamily level up program and to book your strategy session. I've also curated over 25 hours of multifamily content valued at $1,500 as part of my Multifamily Insider, where you can get exclusive access to investor interviews, property walkthroughs, deal, deal, deal analysis videos, exclusive lender interviews, and expert interviews on risk management, property management appraisals, as well as our advanced debt coverage calculator. Awesome. And guys, if you are interested in attending our live meetings, the Investors and Entrepreneurs of Canada, you heard that entrepreneurs, it is not just about real estate investing. We're going to be talking about business, entrepreneurship. We are hosting monthly events at Hagerty's in Burlington. So check that out. You can find all the information and the topics. If you go to midtermrentalproperties.com and go to the events section, we have one coming up October 25th. And then we have one every single month. I think we're probably going to take a break in the summer, but check that out. We are going to be covering different topics, not just midterm rental properties, though it's a great strategy. In October, we're going to be speaking about multifamily and larger conversions as well. 
And then in November, we're going to be doing a speed networking event. We've done it before. It was a absolute hit. So we're going to be bringing it back every other uh, month from there. And then December, we're going to be talking about business and entrepreneurship and how to create active income using real estate, but not specifically investing in real estate per se. And so if you want to know more about that's going to be in December and it's going to be really cool. So for example, right, running a resort, running a midterm rental business and much more and what you need to do if you want to create passive slash active um, income in, in different capacities than just investing in brick and mortar. So that's going to be the December content. Um, MidtermRentalProperties.com, go to the events section and you can find out more. With that said, let's bring in today's guest, Victoria Clooney. Victoria, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Sarah. How are you doing? Good, good. So we thought today we would, you know, switch it up a little bit and talk about resorts and the hospitality industry and the business side of things, the entrepreneur side of things. But for those that may not know much about you, maybe just give us a quick 30,000 foot view. Sure. So I started my investing unintentionally. I think a lot of investors say that, but I was 20 years old and have just been kind of muddling through over the past, I'd say 17, 15, 17 years, and then really just decided to get intentional with it. And that dot, the day that I decided to be intentional, I just found like my world opened up and been going along pivoting with the market changes, pivoting with the government regulations, pivoting as my knowledge expands and my network expands. And it's been a lot of fun just learning as I go, but and identifying what I like and what I don't like and just building on those skills, which has led me to a motel. Very cool. Before the motel, what was your main strategy? I would say multifamily, smaller multifamily was really the area that I was focused in buy and holds. And then I also did short-term rentals. So I owned these bunkies on a lake and it was a glamping retreat. Uh, There was three of them. And then I had my own personal cottage and that kind of opened my world to hospitality and a little bit of the higher income or revenue that was coming in and the control that I enjoyed. Nice. Nice. So, so how did this motel come about and where is it? Tell us about it. Yeah. So we, I found it might have been last year. It was about this time last year, maybe a couple of months earlier. I was noticing a lot of issues between landlords and tenants and conflicts and rumblings about government changing policies. And for me, I'm doing this because I want to do it. I, I do have a full-time job. You know, I'm salaried with the government. I'm going to have a pension. So I'm comfortable financially, and I see real estate investing as a vehicle for where I want to go in the future and to have that extra life that I'm looking for that maybe my job won't support. But I'm not doing this because I have to. And I was really feeling the weight of what was going on and the strategies that were being used. And it just didn't align for me. And I decided I wanted to do feel-good investing. I just remember one day I was just like, I'm tired of this. I need it to feel good. And two months later, the motel fell into my lap. Funnily enough, my property manager for the short-term rentals that I had the bunkies on the lake, I operated it for the first year. So did 
the cleaning, the purchasing of everything, the furnishing, the management of Airbnb, the communications. Got that down, decided I needed support and brought on a property manager. Her name was Noelle. She owns Monk and Nun and they're a short-term rental property management in Nova Scotia. So she came in and it was just a good fit. Noelle and I really got along. We eventually sold the bunkies and Noelle and I started talking and she decided she wanted to own properties. And so I talked to her a little bit about how she could do that. And she went and heard about this pocket listing came up, which was a motel on the waterfront. It's Evangeline Beach in Nova Scotia, formerly called the Beach Breeze Motel. And Noelle called me up one day and said, hey, I'm going to go look at it. Are you interested? And she brought me along FaceTime. We knew the second that we got there that it was a gem. And that's where it all started. Very cool. So your original Airbnbs, just for geography purposes and understanding if you're remote and managing remote, where do you reside? And you know, where was the initial Airbnb where you originally found Noel? The so I reside in Ottawa, but I used to live in Nova Scotia. So when I first purchased the bunkies on the lake, that I was already living in Nova Scotia and I was about 30 minutes away. So for me, it was pretty easy to manage in person. And we were also staying at the cottage. So I had good eyes on the property. When I was relocated to Ottawa for work, I decided that I would manage remotely, but I brought Noelle on. And there was a time a big tree, to be honest, fell down and literally inches from our cabin. And I remember thinking, again, I don't want to deal with this and decided to sell the bunkies. And so it was a pretty last minute decision. But I'm really motivated by, you know, what feels good to me and mm-hmm. my instincts. Mm-hmm. So I found a great buyer. We're actually friends. She comes to investor meetups here in Ottawa. Like I, I'm still connected with her, but I found her privately and she purchased the bunkies. So when I moved to Ottawa, I was still investing long distance. So I got really good at doing the investing, building the team. But these were multifamilies long-term buy and hold. So the renovations would happen without me on location, but then we would stabilize and I would manage from afar through a property manager. Having the motel much more in depth to that. And that's where partnering with Noelle, her being the boots on the ground, and that's how we divvied up the responsibilities. So Noelle does the boots on the ground management and she's an interior designer. So, I mean, brought in her design and then I do all the business management, the marketing for the motel, all the financials. So it's a really good fit for Mm -hmm. us because I don't need to be on the ground for that. Yeah. I mean, you complement each other with different strengths. Perfectly. So exactly. So when you bought the motel, so you bought it off market, was it actually finished and running or did you have to re-renovate it or was it just like a decor change? It was outdated and needed major renovation. So it really wasn't kept up. It was about 40 years old. The previous owner had owned it since 2016, but really did not maintain it. So if you went on Google reviews, we're averaging about a two and a half star at the time when we looked, because that was part of my due diligence was to read the reviews to see what type of issues customers were bringing up. 
And we actually ended up purchasing it. It was on market. We found it when it was a pocket listing. So just before it went live, we were there and we ended up competing in offers, even though we were the first to see it and we put an offer in immediately. It was a pretty hot commodity and we weren't even the offer that got selected at the time because I was pretty sticky with my numbers and I didn't want to go above. Like I usually will set that based on the knowledge that I have and would not go above it. The owners selected somebody else and asked if we would be interested in being a backup because they knew of us. That's the beauty of Nova Scotia. Your reputation follows you. And I was already known as an investor and a, a solid investor in that area. And Noel was already known as the solid property manager. So they, the owners knew that we were a good fit. We just didn't bring the highest bid. Right. And I'm going to guess that one fell through and then they came back. But let's hear those stories. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Like I, you know, you look back and you don't know. And then in hindsight, I'm really pleased the way that it panned out. I found out when their conditions, when the first buyer's conditions were up and it was three weeks. So I knew instantly it's a commercial property. Three weeks is not going to be long enough unless they're paying cash for this and have no conditions on there. And I already knew they had conditions because they had that three weeks and financing was one of them. So what I did was I said, which, which by the way, for anything commercial, just anybody that's listening, just, just the appraisal on its own, yes. six weeks, I would say oh, I know. at a minimum. So, you know, like you said, unless they were paying cash, like an appraisal will take you six weeks. This is why we can't close in three. We can't remove conditions that fast in three weeks. Yeah. I was really happy when I heard that. I was like, absolutely, we'll be back up. But our offer backup is over. It expires the day after the conditions were. So I did not want to incentivize the seller to extend conditions because I knew that the first buyers would be looking to extend. Mm -hmm. And um, like you said, I mean, appraisal, environmental, all of that is going to take a minimum just to get them on site, let alone produce right. the reports. But I do have a good team there. So I have an appraiser that I work with, both commercial and residential. I've got, I had the connection with an environmental for the phase one. My lenders know me well. I work with the credit union and lawyers, of course. So we had everything lined up. So that day I called everybody. I got everybody ready. And I said, listen, I'm going to book you for, I think it was maybe four weeks out. I wanted to give a little bit of buffer. And I will let you know, like I was up front with them, that we are the backup offer, but I'm pretty confident that we're going to be going into first position and get ready so they were already booked. And then I notified the seller and I just said, listen, like we have everybody ready to go just to show that we're willing mm -hmm. to spend money. Because a lot of people will put properties under contract and then kick some tires and they're not actually willing to spend money on the inspection, the appraisals and all of that. And they just waste a lot of time. So we really just wanted to demonstrate how serious we were to purchase this property. So for people wondering, because there are a lot heftier costs with commercial properties in general, resort properties as well. So, I mean, obviously you've got the appraisal, you know, how much was your, like, if you wouldn't mind sharing like some of the other costs before closing, because I think it's just good for people to be aware of because it's a lot more than your typical, like, you know, $500, you know, walk through with an appraiser yep. and then maybe like an inspection, like it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. If memory serves me, the appraisal, I think was 2,500, either 25 or 35. 
the environmentals around the same as well. And then same with the inspection. So they're all, so it's about $7,000 to do an appraisal, an inspection and an environmental. And I wonder like, if it's a little bit cheaper out in Nova Scotia versus like Ontario, because Ontario, like like the ones that we've done, like our 22 unit conversion and even our resort, like you're looking at five, six grand just for the, yeah. you know, and yeah. then everything else is on top of that. I think so, because I mean, these are people that I used regularly. So we have that um, already a good relationship established there. And then for the inspection, for example, like I'll do in a, a building assessment. So I'll do that five-point assessment. I won't have him go in and check every outlet. I'll just make sure that they check the structure, the plumbing, electrical, the roof. We are on septic. So that was another one that we had to get done. Same with the water test. So really just checking the main things because I'm also bringing in the contractors to give me a quote during the whole due diligence to tell me, okay, what am I looking at for that type of stuff? So just try to condense it and combine it as much as possible. And how did you guys go about the financing? How did you get financing on a motel? Yeah, so we did credit union mm-hmm. and that was a 65% loan to value. And the purchase price for the motel, that's been the best part about it, was $835,000. And how many rooms did the motel have? It's nine rooms and it came with two vacant lots, both oceanfront. That's so awesome. the lot, we got three lots, nine units, and then the rest. So then I raised capital for the construction and I did it in phases because, of course, the construction went over budget. And of course, we ended up wanting to do more than we thought. Like we never expected we would paint the whole building, but we did at the last minute. We just decided that it, the outside needed to match the interior because the interior just looked phenomenal. And the exterior was this gray siding that we planned to just keep for the year. And, you know, our plan is to continue to improve it. We wanted to make it nice, but also not need to put all the bells and whistles first year. Yeah, for sure. So so you raise capital like as in with private lenders that, you know, yes, necessary notes types of capital. Um, yes. Yeah. So it was, we had enough margin and it was promissory notes. We did unsecured for the motel and it is all people that I know. And we have actually people who are in Nova Scotia who are seeing the motel every single day. And so it's pretty cool to be able to create this family atmosphere. So we do, we've got like the Breeze Motel family and it's people who supported the motel. And again, with the phases, we were able to not need to go big chunks. It was able to get like a little bit here and there as we go through. So, you know, what would the deposit be for the construction costs? And then maybe like midway through and then the end. So it ended up being about three phases. Okay. And can we find out from you like what, so you purchased it for 800. What was the reno, you know, total budget? So the reno came to 150,000 and that's not bad. We had No, not bad at all. Like we really tried to, if you see pictures of the motel, it's very simplified, but very chic, clean, updated, like very breezy. Mm -hmm. Tried to preserve as much as possible. Like we we preserved the flooring. The major cost that came to us was the bathrooms because there was condensation built up, which we didn't anticipate until we started 
taking walls apart and we had to update the plumbing as well. So we made the call to update the entire plumbing okay. because the worst thing is if they gave us, I guess, like maybe five years to do it. And we just said, everything is ripped up now. You might as well go ahead. But yeah, it's just easier to do it versus getting plumbing calls left, right and center as you as have guests. Coming yeah. Up. So, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so you're so- in it for, you know, let's just call it a, a bit, give or take a mill with furniture and a bit, right? 75000 for furnishing. I think even just under, like we had wow. budgeted out right. 75000 but we did it under. And then some rooms we were able to furnish with under 5000 And we originally were thinking it was 10000 a room. Originally, we went 20000 a room. It was nuts. And we just kind of whittled down. But it goes to show, what's it called? The You know that scope creep? Like when you're doing renovations, you can do scope creep where you think that you're going to add this and add that. And it all at the time doesn't seem like much, but adds up in the end. It does. Well, yeah. that was happening with the furnishings with us. So we really just tried to dial it back because I had that fear of that. What if, like, what if we don't get bookings? What if we, you know, we have to be able to make our payments. That was so important to make sure that we had all those safeguards in place. So I would rather not have a luggage rack in every single room to make sure that we were keeping the budget on track. And Noelle did a phenomenal job. She was able to go under that budget and still produce something that is better than we expected for the interior. Amazing. So did you refinance it yet? Not yet. No. So our one year is up. We do have a loan that's coming out through the BDC. So that's one that's going to help with the invest in investments. And then the refinance will happen next. And our one year is around November. And we're not in this space where we have to do it. We're making great revenue, more than again expected. And so all the bills are getting paid. So I'm just going to take it like one step at a time. But I've started that conversation about the, the refinance. And what's been recommended to me, it's called a blend and extend. So that's what I'm going to be looking at and seeing if we can continue because we have a really good rate. Well, yeah, because sometimes credit you, don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to break it with I the want rates to. That we have right now. <laughs> I do not want to break that. So yeah, just in that exploratory per- period of finding out, okay, well, what's the next best move? Yeah. Because we have increased the value now and um, I want to confirm that it has been increased to what the appraisal, the as complete was given. So we, because we were given the as complete value when we had the appraisal done, we gave our business plan, we gave the numbers that we expected and the costs that we expected for renovation. And so we had that in mind and um, I'm eager to see what the as complete is, if it's in line, if it's under, if it's over, but we have a lot of room for margin of error, which was what was nice about this property. What, what are you roughly estimating that'll come in at when you refinance? The appraiser had given us 1.9 to 2.3 was going to be our as complete. And that was based on numbers that we are meeting, if not exceeding right now. Yeah, because I, I think with something like that, most lenders will want to see a year some of them want to see two years exactly. of receivables we actually got really lucky that they took our projections for our credit union but not i was going to ask you yeah not many do that most <laughs> of them actually want to see you know the past the past numbers to to justify it but okay so that's good and then what are you know seeing from a rental standpoint numbers you know 
per night, occupancy rates, all that good stuff. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey U.S. real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website usproperties.ca for more information. And now back to the show. We, when we ran the numbers and again, really didn't know much, I just used common sense, I guess. So I was looking at 40% occupancy. So 60% vacancy, 40% occupancy. We're not exactly year round. I think we're going to shut down maybe one or two months around January, February, like the really cold months. But we're actually talking about if we want to do more of a a medium term Mm -hmm. for two months for somebody, because it's such a shame when you have rooms and you could house people and figure something out like that. So that's one of the the things that we're talking about. But from a occupancy rate right now, like we're at around, I didn't check the numbers exactly, but it, it, it would be around 60, 70% occupancy right now. Like our weekends are fully booked and mm-hmm. then our weekdays are around 50%. So I would probably average us at about 70%. Mind you, it's high season, it's the yeah. summertime but we're all direct booking. So we haven't done any bookings outside of our website. And now we're moving into, oh, we just, it. this was a lesson learned, but don't change booking platforms in the mid- middle of high season. Because last week we decided to do that. And it's just been hypervigilance, making sure that we're not getting double booked and, you know, and all the automation is happening because we're fully automated. But for numbers, for price point, we have two suites that we offer at $395. They're direct ocean view rooms. They come with an extra like sunroom and a small kitchenette. And that's very comparable. Like we did our comparisons around there. And then we've got our double rooms, which we charge $225 per night. And we just brought them down to $195 during the weekday. So weekends, we keep them at $225. And we're just kind of playing around. Mm-hmm. Again, another benefit of Owning a motel is that I can change the the prices any day I want, you know, and it's all based on supply, demand, the quality of the product that you put out there, the marketing. There's so much that you can do to influence the bookings. And so just having that ability. So we're having fun just playing with our numbers. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I think somebody that has an Airbnb can probably do that as well on the platform or like Absolutely. you know, short term rental or whatnot. But it definitely there is especially with the, you know, all the landlord-tenant rules and regulations and, you know, we bylaws, you have more control and the bylaws that are coming yeah. into play with, I think, many places with uh, some limitations on some short-term rentals. And I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next five years, like, it was all of Ontario or all of Canada that had some yeah. sort of licensing fee or limitation or something along those lines. So the beauty of these resorts or motels or boutique hotels is that you know they're zoned for that specifically right we're not affected by any of these you know any of these bylaws that are coming into play because we're a commercial property actually zoned as a resort or a motel which is exactly no exactly that control it's so important i'm realizing more and more how important that is to me because like i mentioned it's not something i don't find that i have to do real estate investing there are so many other things that we can do I do love it. I know it well. And so it's easy to do. And it's important to be diverse and have different types of properties. But man, I like that control. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, and I think the nice thing about it is like, you know, the real estate is is a vehicle, right, of, of what I think right. we as entrepreneurs and, and small business owners. But I think it's, you know, it, it also becomes a business component and Never from mind. a hospitality standpoint, because then there's so many more things that you could do. And I don't know if, you know, you've, you're going to open it up for events or corporate events or, you know, different things versus just the nightly stays. But like you could, you know, really ultimately it's your, up to your imagination, but there's so many things that you yeah. could do with the space. Yes, it's a real estate component, but I think there's a whole business side of it that, you know, you could also create some cash flow with. Absolutely. We have we've started a link on our website for group bookings because it's nice and small enough that you would have like family reunions or business retreats and that type of stuff. But we're getting a lot of requests for weddings. So we already have a couple of weddings in the books for next year, 2024. And it's such a beautiful backdrop because we've got Blomidon and you've got the bay is right there, the ocean, you've got everything. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. What challenges have you come across? I guess you've been doing this for a year, but what have been some of the challenges that you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience here on some of the things that that came across that you weren't prepared for maybe? Yeah, it's such a good question because there's been many. We've reacted quickly and the biggest challenge I think has been just that customer service side of it because while we want to, we're very committed to having a good product, sometimes you can't anticipate all these requests, all these expectations. There's a different level of expectation when you own a motel, even over an Airbnb or a short-term rental is what I'm finding because they expect you to be, it's commercial. I don't know, like a, an Airbnb, it's like, okay, it's, a, it's like another human like me on the other end. But when you're a motel and you're a business, you sh- they want a phone number and we don't have a phone number. And so we get that comment in the email quite a bit, but, and it's just being able to manage it right now. It's Noelle, myself and our husbands that are really managing it when we get email requests in. So that's going to change eventually, but we're trying to keep our costs down until we make sure that everything is stabilized. And then we'll start introducing more support and more people. And we're going to start looking at government grants and bringing in students and just managing, monitoring. But yeah, the customer side, it's also very tough for me being away. Like I want to be there. I want to do walkthroughs for that quality control. I want to support Noel. And then understanding like from the business side. So that was actually quite a challenge. Navigating a share sale and understanding that side of it. So understanding that there has to be due diligence from your accountant on the financial side to make sure CRA has been paid every year and they're not going to come after you because we bought the business, Mm -hmm. which means that we assumed all the risk from previous owners, making sure no suppliers were coming after us for unpaid debts, making sure that uh, from a legal standpoint, no liabilities From previous, like nobody's going to sue us from the two years that uh, people have. You're really doing an investigation to see if there's any red flags that could indicate that possibility. Even if you're putting indemnity, indemnity, I think is what they call it inside the agreement. The owners, the sellers could have left the country. They could have gone somewhere. It's only as good as the -hmm. people that you're suing on the other end. Yeah, you know, you're right. Like all the service contracts, right, that they might have had set up since it was 
a running motel prior. That's right. Yeah. And all the accounts that they were operating. Somebody asked me the other day, would I prefer to start from scratch? Like if I purchase another motel, would I prefer to just Mm -hmm. buy the asset and start from scratch or buy the business? And it's a tough call because people buy businesses thinking because you're already getting a head start and you're getting clients and established, but you also take all of the skeletons in the closet. And this was an older couple. They did not have sophisticated accounts. They didn't even, they said that they didn't have access to any of their accounts. So, you know, the Facebook account, TripAdvisor, any of these booking platforms, I either had to contact them directly, not the seller, contact the platforms directly and submit. And you have to give all these paperwork. You have to give proof that you're the new owners to get that. So that was a big headache that we prefer to just start on our own. But then you've got all these pictures from the motel and what it used to be, or you've got reviews from people who stayed. And ways that we dealt with that is like, I literally wrote to just about every review. I mean, I, I had somebody help me do it, but I had a, a canned statement for them to say like, you know, so sorry that you had that experience. It's under new ownership, inviting them back. Like we're offering discounts. We're trying to make amends for anybody who had a bad experience. We also changed the name. Not, and we were kind of, it was strategic. Mm -hmm. We changed the name enough that it went from the Beach Breeze Motel to just the Breeze Motel. So it was enough for us to just differentiate ourselves from the previous one, but not completely remove it so that people wouldn't recognize it because what I'm found is that it's a staple in the community and people have been so supportive that we've come in and and freshened it up and brought new life to it because that's been the best part about that. That is great. Yeah. You've got, I mean, that's a great marketing strategy just going back, you know, if you're taking over something that's already been running and connecting with the prior guests. Yes. That's huge. Like, did many of them take you up on the offer? (laughs) Nobody has written back. No. Not one. I'll try not to take it personally, but yeah, it's funny, hey? Like not one person has responded. Another marketing strategy that we did, which was unintentional, but was TikTok. I thought that was crazy that the type of response that I got on TikTok, it was the day after I had an account and I was, you know, kind of in and out of it, not really committed to it. I put a lot more into my Instagram account when I'm connecting with people there and I just play with TikTok. And so one day I just After visiting the motel, I filmed myself in my car talking about the motel and just saying like I was just in a a cold, unheated motel. It was winter. It blew up. And the thing that made it do that was because I tagged the location. And so then everybody in Nova Scotia got, I guess, that saw that it came across that post that I did. And everybody was just like, oh my gosh. And now, that's where I lean in. And I can see like we're getting so much traffic coming in from TikTok. And so I'm using that as a big marketing tool right now, but from a owner perspective. So I'm talking more about my experience on there. So they get to see behind the curtain mm-hmm. a little bit, of, Great, like yeah. what that's like. And that one, I'm tracking quite a lot of uh, people coming from that platform. Okay. And any other marketing tools or things that you're doing? So TikTok's a great option. Instagram, you're doing direct bookings, right? So you're not getting any of the VRBO or Airbnb traffic. No, 
That's right. And we hired a social media team for this because we did want to have more of a professional image for the Breeze and um, their videographers. And they're just awesome people. Like it was part of the selection process and, and I specialize, like my job is to select. And for us, it was really important that we hired people that were from Nova Scotia or understood the Nova Scotia East Coast hospitality, the vibe that is out there, had a little bit of an edge to them because we wanted it to be fun and meet a demographic. And uh, yeah, they capture the voice perfectly. They are about an hour away. So they come up and uh, especially whenever I fly back, we will do content shooting and they also go up and do tons of amazing drone footage and they do incredible reels, things that I would never be able to create. So they're managing our Facebook and our Instagram page. I've dabbled with Google ads. Not, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just playing around mm -hmm. and that's, we're having fun with that. We've done a couple of Facebook ads again, like maybe a hundred bucks. We're partnering with businesses. So local businesses, that was important to us is to like come into the community and with, to be collaborative in alliance with, not to compete against. And that was one of our first marketing things before the motel was even operational. We went to all these amazing local businesses and filmed and highlighted the businesses for incentives why people should come visit the hotel because they could go to Church Brewery or they could go to this vineyard or, you know, this wedding chapel does quickie weddings. So it, um, we're getting it just a lot of partnerships and doing giveaways and having fun with it. But that's the most important part. Of it. Yeah, I wouldn't do that with any of my long terms. No, this becomes a business. I mean, it is for us too. Like, I, I love you. Got, you have some great ideas. Even what we do, like even with a little welcome, like our welcome gift is actually from yeah. the, the local bakery. So like, love it. as we have people checking in before we prep their place. And then she makes like this like cute little box of like different like fresh baked goods. And so it's supporting her. And a lot of people have gone back even to like say, hey, thanks so much for the pastries or bakery items. Like, let's get some more. So that's love that. Good. But yeah, no, it's a it's definitely a fun journey. And look at that. It's been like past half an hour and we like are dressed like and we did get it. Look at I know. I would love to interview you on yours. I think that would be a lot of yeah, fun. Absolutely. No, for sure. It is. I think the biggest message at the end of the day is that you know, this is super possible and you don't have to have expertise in hospitality. It's about aligning yourself with the people who can do the skills that you need. And so focusing on what you're good at and what you enjoy and experimenting. But yeah, I'm going to be doing more. I know that for sure. So you want to buy more resorts, more hotels, motels? Ah, yeah, I think like motels. And I already have. Now that your name kind of gets out there that you they can see the finished product so they can see, okay, that, you know, we're doing it and we've got a little bit of a schmick. Things are coming our way. And so, yeah, I'm working on two right now that super preliminary, but just fun. It's kind of giving a little bit of a new light for this. I'm also doing other projects, but that's the diversification and, and yeah, everything has its place. And the fun part of it, right? The like the fun a, part. A lot of real estate, like believe in we love. We, I I mean I I love it, but like it's also got its you know boringness to it, right? And so sometimes yeah. getting a resort 
or a motel or something it like you can have fun with it for sure absolutely comes absolutely. with a lot of extra stress that's for sure yeah <laughs> i know it does it does not gonna lie about that there is you know until the people come you're no, just it's, it's a lot of different moving parts right as well and it's just like you said the expectations it's not it's like similar to maybe your airbnbs but it's like that next level that you and then you've got to then create experiences if you really yeah. want it you know and again it depends on what like hotel or motel or, or boutique resort you're you want to run but you know like you talked about weddings like we have you know like corporate events and that kind of stuff so you know and the other thing is like there's pros and cons because there's money to be made with working with mm-hmm. it and, and doing the markups and stuff but it's also a lot more coordination oh yeah yeah it planning. just brings another level to it that wouldn't necessarily be under the investor hat. Being like an but... event planner, entrepreneur. Yeah, 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 exactly. Deck of all trades, no problem. Yeah, I've, you know, I don't think I've ever done a whole lot of event planning other than, you know, in the in prior when we used to meet, mm-hmm. you know, for the right club back in the day. But it's, yeah, so it's, it's a whole, it's a whole different ballgame because then you're like, and then not, I'd be scared to do the weddings, to be honest. I'd probably like pass that off to like, Oh, and actually, oh, it's getting planner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by virtue of my location, I will not be involved in planning that wedding, but I will watch from afar and and give all the moral support to the team. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And it's you yeah. know, it, it comes full circle. My one of my first jobs was a cruise manager on one of those Toronto cruises. Amazing. And I was doing weddings all the time and corporate events all the time. So I don't have a ton of experience in it, but it's funny how it does come around because I didn't think. You know, when you're like, okay, cool, a resort will be like Airbnb, but it's like, it's so much more than just yeah. a short-term rental because there's so many more pieces and even so much, even like, you know, your staff, the ground staff, like we have staff every single day that come and check on in, you know, there's a lot more to be done. I don't know how big your property is, but like we're on six acres. And so, oh yeah, that's, it's much know. smaller than that. But yeah, no, like it's, you know, it, it's fun. Am I going to get another one tomorrow? Probably not. <laughs> And let's get this one <laughs> yeah. going first. And this is like, I think the difference maybe with mine versus like the one that you've got, you're like, you're already all built up, right? So you're kind exactly. of like renovating inside versus like, I just bought six acres of raw land that you, there was nothing on except for like a house that needed to be torn down that we had to tear down. But, you know, so then it takes a little bit longer because now we've Absolutely. got like three cabins, but we'll get to nine and we'll have our main lodge and like, it'll be amazing. But it's like the, the timeline is definitely quite different. Absolutely. And like you've created something from scratch. Like that's incredible. I can't wait to come see it. I really yeah, excited you'll have to, to. You'll uh, have to come when you're. Otherwise, not too far. You're probably like not too far. Three and a half hours, no. four hours, maybe. Yeah, no, absolutely. Maybe in the more of the fall timeline or something. But it, I just think it's awesome what you're doing. And I love watching it and uh, seeing the pictures and just watching it grow and develop and seeing where it takes and, and evolves. Right. Like we're waiting to develop ours because we want to see what the needs are and what people want and, and like and, and what we enjoy. So lots of different opportunities. Mm-hmm, absolutely. There's a handful of us that have resorts and boutique hotels and motels. Like we need to all form a group. I agree. Share ideas. <laughs> yes. We need to commiserate together and we can inspire together. No pun intended with yours. And yeah. I, I think it's necessary because. I could, you know, typically I'll reach out to people when I need answers to something or I see somebody doing something and I, I'd like some advice on, but I didn't do that as much as I wish that I would have done because we hit the ground running and all of a sudden it was like, poof, 
And it's a new, but, it's newer concept where it's not, I don't even know if there's a course about motels, hotels, resorts, know. you know, where it's like, like yeah. from an investor standpoint and a business owner standpoint, mm-hmm. like, you know, yes, you can take a hospitality class of some sort, but it's, there's nothing that actually, you know, really is pertinent to what we're doing. No, not in Canada, at least. Like I've talked to a couple of people in the U.S., but certainly not in Canada. And that is an issue because there are many different regulations and financing opportunities between both countries. So Canada needs one. Yeah. Or a mastermind. Let's just all put our brains together. And, I love it. You know, I instead of it. cottage hopping, because I like to go cottage hopping. They're like, we do like my cottage and our friend's cottage. Anyways, and but we could do like resort hopping. And just, like, I love that. Yeah. Yes. And host each other. Right. And yeah, um, be able to give quality feedback, like quality feedback, you know, so it's lots of exciting things to happen and it's a cool direction to go. So I think so. Well, if you guys have a resort, reach out to us because I think I I don't think I'm going to be spearheading this group because I've got way too much stuff, but we'll find somebody to spearhead the group. But like if you guys have resorts, reach out. (laughs) Okay. You have such the mastermind group you have to have a resort though or like a, a motel or a boutique hotel or I agree something I agree. like that because we do want to keep it I think fairly small but I think it'd be fun to just help everyone out absolutely and then maybe open it for info sessions right like you could do panel discussions there's lots that could be had mm-hmm. but I agree really important to get a good group of peer mentors kind of call that right people that are doing what you're doing and can give you good advice and vice versa. So it's a win. Absolutely. So the next part of the podcast is lightning round. Victoria, I know we went a little bit over time, but I'm going to give you the same five questions that everyone gets. You're going to answer the first question that comes to mind. You ready? Ready. All right. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. Are you often traveling for work and need a place to stay, but do not have the time or capacity to search endlessly on those online platforms? Midterm Rental Properties has been created to ensure that someone exactly like yourself who is looking for a quality assured stay but would like the assistance and a concierge white glove service to obtain this property gets the service they need. When you sign up with a property through Midterm Rentals, we ensure your stay is all-inclusive from collecting your dry cleaning to setting up a local gym membership, to having a private chef deliver your food. For more information on how we can service you at your next midterm rental stay, please visit www.midtermrentalproperties.com. Question number one was your favorite real estate investing book. I have to say who, not how. I know it's not a real estate investing book, but it really did change my outlook on doing it myself and not to do it myself yeah that is a great book it's some it's somewhere behind me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all that, oh my goodness you're all colorful oh, that or- back the there. orange one that's right there <laughs> jeez you're one of those no only the only this backside you should see the what's desk. in the background okay good because yeah I'm the background similar. looks nice and clean my desk is a different story okay all right good to hear uh all right number two not necessarily real estate related do you have a favorite podcast other than where should I invest? Yeah, something different. People say that? No, of course. Yes, I do. Oh my gosh, let me. So I have a couple. I really like Tom Bilyeu. I like Ed Milet. I like the ones that can really give me a different outlook because I hear real estate all the time, but I think that it's important that we 
consume content that will be inspiring and just like lifestyle. So I'll stick with Ed Milet right now. Yeah, I do like his podcast as well. We'll listen to it Mm -hmm. once in a while. Number three, what do you do for fun? I work out. Like I really love my gym. I love sports. I love, you know, getting a good sweat on. And my husband and I, we work out every day together and my son's starting to join us. So it's nice when you can combine healthy habits with actual fun. So I'll say workout. Okay. All right. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, your hotel, motel, <laughs> properties, assets, money, how do you start again? I would team up with people and I would bring the skills that I have to the table because it doesn't matter if I lose material, money, my skills will always be there. And I know that they could be used in other avenues and I know that I could be a big resource for other people to help them and you just find the resources you need okay all right and last question if somebody has fifty thousand dollars and they want to get started in some capacity how would you recommend they spend that money again I would probably so I would invest some of it into the education piece but I don't think that you need to invest a ton of money I think that with a little bit of resourcefulness that you could find the answers that you need to help get you to purchasing that property. I would go back to that partnership and finding out just, do you have a buddy that wants to purchase a home? And I wouldn't, you don't necessarily have to go for the big apartment buildings right away. Go find yourself even a single family home, a duplex, do some conversions. There's so many opportunities now that you can get in at a lower barrier of entry and have a pretty quick turnaround if you buy smartly. But do you need to understand what a good deal looks like. So that's where the education piece would come into play. Awesome. Great answers. Victoria, where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Victoria Clooney on all the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and then I have a website, which is clooneyco.com. Okay. And can you give us the website of your boutique motel? Yes. Yes. The Breeze Motel. And we also have an Instagram and Facebook page for it. So if you want to see all the pictures and the transformation, uh, head over there. But yeah, it and I reach out too. I love talking to people. I'm always connecting and I'm good with the voice text. So if somebody has questions or they want to say something, I can do voice text all day. Okay. Is it thebreezemotel.ca or .com? .com. Okay. All right. Awesome. Victoria, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And, uh, congrats on your success and on uh, the Breeze Motel. Likewise. And go have fun at the cottage now. I will. I will. Awesome. I'm, I'm All right. For the next like little bit now. So uh, <laughs> the by dream. the time this airs, I'll probably be back and it'll be that's true. <laughs> we'll be in Tukes next one. Oh, don't say that. All right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.